Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sonia Leeson and you're listening to the Love Mondays podcast, The Power of Resilience, stories of struggle and success from inspiring entrepreneurs. In this series, I will be interviewing business leaders, entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about their incredible true life stories and how they overcame adversity to build a killer business that makes a real difference in the world. Stay tuned to learn more about their game-changing strategies which took them from struggle to success. On today's podcast, I speak to Matt Holden-Jones, Managing Director of HJ Wealth Planning, a Birmingham-based company who provide tailor-made financial advice to businesses and private clients. Matt tells us of his humble beginnings, from sleeping rough and valeting cars to now looking after over 400 clients, helping them to effectively plan for their future. We talk about his forward-focused mindset and how his customer-focused approach saw his company grow fourfold in one year. Hi Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. So pleased to have you on and it's been a really long time coming because we've known each other for, would you say, four years? It might even be slightly longer, might be coming up five years, but yeah. Interesting. And um, I absolutely love everything you do and your business is absolutely incredible. And for you to be able to get to where you've got to from where you started from, and we've spoken briefly before and you said you didn't see it as a struggle, which is a really interesting thing to kind of see, you know, your life as. So can you just tell everybody a little bit about what you do and your business? Yeah, certainly. So I'm... um... Matt Holden-Jones, as you know, um, I'm Managing Director and Financial Advisor for HJ Wealth Planning. Uh, We've been going for just over nine years. We're in our 10th year now, which is really exciting. We're a fairly small team. We we employ five. We've got another couple on the way, all being well before the end of this year. But yeah, in, in a nutshell, we give financial advice to businesses, sports professionals, retirees, all sorts of different people from different walks of life and just ensure that they get the the top level of service and clear advice that's really easy to understand. And how did you get into that? What was your kind of before self-employment story, your employed story? I I, I fell into it. (laughs) Um, And I guess I have a a good lady behind me that sort of almost forced me and twisted my arm slightly when when we first met. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the... Depends where you want to start. But in terms of how I got into the business starting was my, my retail bank assurance um, career. So joined Lloyd's TSB going back, oh, how many years now? About 20-ish years ago um, and worked for them as just an account manager, really. I was working in um, a call centre for Lloyd's TSB registrars. Uh, and I've got to be honest, I was employed for eight months and probably turned up for about four. Um, <laughs> HR pulled me in uh, at one point and said, Matt, I'm not sure you enjoy working here, do you? And I was like, well, not really. He said, would you like to leave? I was like, yeah, I would. And, and left that day, went to my bank manager and said, Look, you know, I need to extend my overdraft. I've just left my job. He said, well, why don't you come work for us? So I said, okay, fine. Went for an interview. On uh, on the following Monday, went to meet the local director, and uh, I don't know. The interview lasted about ten minutes. Left ten minutes later, I had a phone call and said, "Oh boy, start Monday." You know, I was like, "Okay." That was I, a bit of a twist of fate, then, wasn't it? Really, you went to go in in stretch your overdraft, and they were like, "We'll give you a job." <laughs> yeah, they really must have liked strange. you. <laughs> and it, 
and I, I kid you not, it was nothing more than a conversation like that. But um, yeah, it turned up really is all I did. I never saw it as a career, just turned up as an account manager for Lloyd's for, I don't know, three and a half years. Started to realise that I enjoyed the relationship side of it, enjoyed interviewing clients, didn't necessarily enjoy pushing all the things the bank wanted you to push. But anyway, did that, worked my way up for another two and a half, three years as senior accounts manager into branch management. And then, yeah, decided that I would want, I wanted to um, help people protect and grow their wealth rather than get them into debt continually, which is what my job entailed, sadly, at Lloyd's for a long time. Really interesting. And I've got the same mindset as you, which is why I set up my business. And when I was working in sales and marketing, and then I went into recruitment, the industries are really, really cutthroat, hard, pressured, deadline driven, target driven industries. And the, the bit that I liked about my job was helping my clients. I loved helping them grow their business. I loved to help, help them get in sales. I loved the whole psychology of sales and the psychology of building the teams and all of that kind of stuff. But what I didn't love was that you kind of had to do it in a way, your bosses wanted you to do it in a way that obviously benefited the business, of course, but you kind of had to put your customer service second to that and the client's needs second to that quite often. And so when I started my business, I thought, why can't I do this for my client's benefit rather than doing Mm. it for targets and, and everything else? So I kind of flipped it and it sounds like you kind of did the same. It's, it's mirror image, really. The, as cliched as it sounds, when I set the business up, the first thing on my business plan was just to provide service. It was at yeah. the forefront of absolutely everything. And it just drove me insane working for the other two banks as an advisor. I went to Halifax after that and then Santander. I was looking after some quite wealthy clients. And I'm not saying wealth should dictate service, but just, you know, it was just the nature of obviously my role in terms of we were looking after clients like that. But the service just wasn't there and it was so frustrating because these clients expected you to, you know, we were forming relationships that were placing every element of trust in you, not the bank. Obviously, the bank provided a service in the background, but it was you they dealt with. Mm. And yeah, I, I just it just hit me at four o'clock in the morning in London after a few drinks with my area manager. <laughs> uh, and I just told him there and then, I'm going to go and set up my own company and do this Wow. Project. How old were um, you then? <laughs> I was oh god so the business was going nine years so I was 31 interesting yeah. it is mirror image isn't it because I was just turned 30 when I started mine and I was just like wow I can't do this anymore I'm gonna go and do it for myself um, yeah it was never about the money it was no. not about what I earned or what I could earn it was just about that I love doing what I do I love the financial advice aspect I love that I can break it down simply for people and I just really believed in myself and really believed that I could sort of make a success of it. Um, and here we are nine years later. Yeah, service first is still there as well, isn't it? It's something that you'll kind Absolutely. of run through your company through and through. Yeah, it is, 100%. How did you go from call centre to entrepreneur? Like, not everybody has that drive. Where do you think it came from? It's a good question. I honestly don't know. And I've always... Since leaving school, I, I left school when I was 15 and left home at 15 at the same time. And I always knew at that point that I needed to work, therefore, yeah, because I needed to earn money. Therefore, I used to just go and knock the doors of businesses, not because I ever thought I was an entrepreneur, but I guess a simple one to look back at, which is an easy analogy, was I, I, I went and took a job for Vauxhall 
just on their forecourts valeting cars, just when it washed, I don't know, 20, 30 cars on a weekend, probably earned about 20 quid uh, and slogged the whole day. And I just thought, if I just buy a bottle of turtle wax, a bucket and a sponge, I'll just go on to the posh estate and, and do it for myself. And I earned like 80 quid doing 10 cars for the weekend, you know. <laughs> So, but I never thought at that time I was an entrepreneur. I really don't necessarily believe I'm an entrepreneur in the truest sense now. But hey, I've took a risk. I set up a business. I employ staff. So I guess there is an element of me that, that is. But yeah, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think about it is what I'm trying to say. I think it's just something in me. One, like you said, that wants to help people, believes you can do it. And I guess there's, there's definitely part of my gut that likes to take a risk. Um, in order to succeed Uh, yeah I think uh, part of being an entrepreneur is having to be well being able to live with risk because it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster at the best of times so I think if you're risk averse then maybe it makes things a bit difficult what was your kind of plan when you left home at 15 did you kind of want to get into finance then nothing no there was there was no plan Um, it was just jobs literally that there isn't many jobs I haven't done from tire and exhaust fitter to working in kitchens in pubs to delivering papers all sorts of different honestly the, the list is endless it's i've worked say, in packing factories it. i've worked in chip shops i've worked in hotels yeah, yeah everything i think I, the work the, the standout moment i think was working for creda hot point working on a line in a warehouse and you know forgive me for saying this but people clucking like chickens because that's all they've ever done was the same two screws for the last 40 years just standing oh on a line and I just yeah, after two weeks of doing that I just realized that definitely wasn't the what you wanted to do no. No, I worked, no, no I worked on a line for art and craft materials so we used to pack art and craft materials for WH Smiths and, and things like that and I still see them now you know when you scrape the foil off and it with the brass pictures underneath and they're like tigers and stuff like that. I used yeah. to actually, scraper falls they're called, I used to actually pack those and I used to actually <laughs> put the blades into the plastic containers for the, for the handles. So you can imagine your hands are just cut to pieces and because of my age, I was similar to you, I left home really early. Because of my age, I was pregnant at 17, I was getting £3.50 an hour because that was minimum wage for my age, even though I was trying to build my way, you know, get my way out of homelessness and kind of save enough money to have a baby. Yeah, I was getting £3.50 an hour. So you talk about not thinking that you struggle, because I look back and I don't really think of it as a struggle. But I suppose when you align it with maybe what other people have had in their work life, mm. being cut to bits by scrapers for £3.50 an hour when you're getting ready to have a baby probably <laughs> might come under, under struggle. Um, but yeah. you just crack on with it, don't you, really? I did. Yeah, I, I just, I've never seen life as something to sort of look on the negatives. I've always been quite a positive person. Um, so although there's been quite a lot of negativity when you sort of look back or if you compare it to other people's lives, which I tend not to do, but no. if you look at whatever the book of normal is and, and look at people who maybe have had a slightly more um, levelled life, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I, all the things that have happened, I guess, like you, where I'd sort of left home, I, I lived on the street for a while, lived in hostels, two of the worst well one of the worst hospitals in Bristol and then another one in Western Supermare and at the time it was just where I lived that was it you know there's people walking around with jaundice because they were alcoholics there was you know obviously all the drug abuse so everything else that goes on in those sorts of places but you just sort of 
it, it's just where I lived at the time and you just sort of carry on really. And it's so funny, it's like mirror image our lives aren't they? Because the hostel I was in they actually made a documentary about it on Channel 5 probably mm. about four, three, four years ago and I saw it on TV and I'm a bit the same as you, I never really look back and dwell on anything, it was just where I lived and what I was going through at the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I recorded it on my Sky thing and I, I was like, oh, shall I watch it? Shall I not watch it? And it took me a good kind of couple of months to get to the point where I was like, okay, I need to kind of face this. And I think it was such a massive eye opener for me because when I was there, I actually, I found someone that had slit her wrists like on my doorstep because people, when they're living in this life, they are just at, at the bottom of anything i mean they you know like you said alcohol drugs abusive relationships all that kind of stuff and i was living amongst these people so of course you're going to come across people who are really quite desperate and like you at the time it was just where i lived i didn't really think about it and when i watched this documentary it was such because i am where i am now to see where i was then and have that complete polar kind of view of the two side by mm. side pretty much i was like wow i didn't actually realize how bad it was maybe i'm an op eternal optimist i don't know mm -hmm. um yeah. but i think like you if you do kind of think oh where is me and have that kind of victim mentality i don't think you can ever get out of it no no and but well, you know the things i've sort of looked back on because i do look back quite a lot not just in the you know, general sort of life of the business and this, that and the other, I always look back to sort of try and move forward. Mm. Um, and honestly, I think the things that put me in good stead was, um, you know, when I look back at how my, my sort of parents brought me up, because they, they, parents split up when I think I was five years old, so they got divorced. Um, and the, the discipline that my parents thought was, was suitable, what they did do was teach me about manners, respect, you know, and, and a bit of worldliness, really. You know, I was brought up on some fairly rough council estates. Mum was a single parent of three. Uh, I was the eldest of three and always the one to blame, as you'd expect. Same as me. I'm the eldest of three. It's always your <laughs> fault. You should know better. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Um, but, yeah, so I lived with mum until I was about, I think I was about 12. And sadly, when, when mum went to um, hit me one day, I think I was just old enough to retaliate. Now, I never heard my mum thankfully but it was a situation that no one would ever really want to see or, or relive for that matter but but left mum at that point lived with a friend for a couple of weeks then moved to dad dad did exactly the same really um came home late from the high street by an hour one night you know decided when i got back that putting my head through a window was the right thing to do and again that's why i left home at 15 but both parents as, as terrible as that might sound and, and it was to endure at the time. I was never a perfect child. I was a classic clown. I never really went to school. I don't think school engaged me very well for whatever reason. You know, I, I didn't do any GCSEs, but then never saw that as something to hold me back. But yeah, the point of what I'm trying to say here is that I always had that sort of respect instilled in me. How to say please, thank you. How to just go out and ask for what you wanted. Um, and I think that's what's put me in good stead initially. And then I've got Kerry to thank, I think, massively, really. Because when I was a lighting designer, I used to work for um, a lot of festivals, global gathering, cream fields, lots of different things, TV shows and stuff. And being in that sort of industry, you're on the road, you're on tour all the time, and you're reliant on events happening. 
So as much as you might ask for work, it's obviously those vents have got to go ahead in order to, to get paid or to have the work. So three years into my relationship with the lovely Kerry, she said, I think you need to get a proper job. And that's when um, I, I went to, I don't know whether I went to an agent or, or anyway, I ended up working at Lloyd's TSB registrars, which I told you about. And that was the start of an actual um, career in, in financial services. Mm, start knuckling down, stop with the all night being out and working <laughs> at festivals and traveling around and yeah, yeah, start to try and get back to a nine to five, get into a nine to five. They always say blokes take a bit longer to grow up than women. <laughs> and I, and I, that's, I'm definitely, uh, definitely one of those blokes that took a bit longer to grow up. I think you've done all right. Starting a business by 31, not many people do that. And it's interesting you say about school. I mean, I've seen it and I'm sure you probably see it now with your children. I've seen it with my son and he's got quite an entrepreneurial mindset and he's dyslexic as well. So being pushed down the education system and I've never been to university. I left home, you know, when I was like 16. I did do my GCSEs, but I dropped out of college. So I did college for a year and dropped out with no qualifications from college. Even though I love learning and I have done so many courses since I've been employed, I think when you are learning through outside of the education system, it's completely different. I don't think they really cater for people with a bit more of an entrepreneurial mindset or people who have maybe got other things going on at home. I don't think there's a huge amount of support for, I don't think they know how to, they haven't got the resources to but I think you're right. It, it does kind of set you up to be, I don't know, I just won't fail. I don't know if that's a bit of stubbornness. I think there's a bit of me that just goes, I'll show you. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what kind of drives me. Don't doubt me. Because that is, this, my story's mirror image to yours, really. And I don't know where mine comes from, but I think it is that I just didn't want to be the stereotypical teenage mother. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of anything worse than that. Um, they've been, you know, I was told I was stupid for getting pregnant at 17. I'm like, well, it's happened now. You've just got to kind of roll with it. That's just the way that my life is. But it took me a long time. I'd probably say until about, Ben was born in 2001 and it took me probably until about 2008, 2009 to properly settle down and start thinking, hang on, I need to kind of like go to work and not keep just working in hotels for daft hours and spending my money on going out and you know avoiding everything that I uh, didn't want to see really mm. we still work daft hours though don't we I still work daft <laughs> hours and uh, your phone's always on and uh, there's always emails and things coming through but I can't say no and I think also I really love what I do so it doesn't really bother me that much mm. maybe I'm a workaholic <laughs> who knows how did you end up in Bristol by the way is that where you were brought up that's where I was born, yeah. So ah. born in Southmead, uh, and then yeah, lived with mum in Bristol, various places in Bristol, and then moved to Nottingham, then to Leicester, and then yeah, I moved back to Bristol after that. Really, is the is the long story short. Mm. Are you in touch with your family? Oh yeah, so it's come full full circle now. So where I didn't speak to my mum for ooh, best part of. 14 years um that's we i spoke to her for about a day in between about year seven and that's when i had Stephen, who is my 21 year old son who um, i had through another lady going back when i was 18 <laughs> we are literally uh, like separated at birth our life stories just so similar so. aren't they yeah where were we going with that bit um get, yeah just while you were moved down to bristol while you were in bristol oh, moving back yeah uh, Oh, yeah, so family, full circle. 
yeah, yeah that's it. It was um, yeah. So saw mum for about a day then, and then didn't speak to her again for for seven years after that. And that wasn't because I didn't want to speak to her; it was because she didn't want to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And sadly, because my brother and sister lived with mum at that point, uh, I haven't spoken to them literally for fourteen years. So yeah, just managed to find mum through Jeans Reunited. Wow. Yeah, sent her a long sort of message just saying, look, I'm working at Lloyd's, this is what I'm doing, hope you're okay. Uh, And after a little while, she got in touch. And off the back of that then, I managed to organise the whole family, my brother, sister, cousins, all sorts of people around, and um, brought us all together. Very emotional meeting, um, as I'm sure you could imagine after 14 years. But now the family, I would say, just a strong, normal family, you know, some of the things I think everyone's sort of almost apologized for what happened not that an apology was ever expected but certain things that had happened and there was apologies for that and everyone sort of moved on really no one's dwelled on the past and realized it was what it was back then and and we got to live for today now so yeah you're right it's it's all come back full circle how do you what do you think you can attribute to where from getting from there? I know you think it's normal, but everyone else listening to this is going to be like, wow, how have you found it within you to just keep going and, and get to where you are now? What kind of tips can you give to people or what do you think is normal that other people will think, no, actually, that's a pretty special thing to have achieved? I guess in terms of where we are in the business now, and I guess how we support it, how we started it obviously it's having some support around you and I've got to say Kerry's been a big support although she didn't want me to start the business in the first place she was sort of dead against it I said look I think we could make a success of it she's always been career driven degree student very different upbringing to mine complete polar opposites really but she believed in me and let me get on with it and a year into the business she now is a director she owns half the company Mm. Uh, and, and as a team we make a real success of it I think it's always trying to, I guess, things that go through my mind that I don't necessarily acknowledge all the time is I'm always forward thinking. I, I think like you, I've got a bit of ADHD where I just don't stop thinking about what's next, what's next. And I'm always of the opinion that I should change my business card from managing director to plate spinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that is probably more reflective of my role. Um but I think, you know, the, the key thing with any business, really, when you boil it down to the bare basics, is it's all about relationships. It is about the service. It is about you delivering on everything you say to people that you're going to deliver. And if you can't deliver it or you get something wrong, it's about putting your hands up and just keeping people in the, in the loop, keeping them informed. And, and I think that's really what's put us in good stead because as a business now where a lot of people maybe struggle with the networking side of it, asking for help, asking for referrals. You know, my clients, the professional connections around me provide constant business for us. And I think that's because of the deep-rooted relationships we've got with these people. And, and from, so from professionals to your own clients that you look after, they're all doing the same thing. They're all recommending us. I think that's one of the biggest things that's put us in good stead. The other thing that I think business owners lose sight of sometimes is that it's not about what you want it's about what you can deliver for other people and I was a great believer in that from from when I started the business there's a firm of solicitors in the city and I thought they'd be great for us you know they've got the clients that we're after but rather than me ask them 
for their clients. I just provided our clients to them for about 12 months um, before I got any work back, which was a long time. <laughs> Playing the long game there. <laughs> yeah, so I think it was a huge investment of time and effort. But I firmly believe that if I keep sending work in to, you know, to not only them, but to other companies as well, eventually they're going to start to think, well, actually, maybe we should deliver something back to Matt. And, you know, with that particular company, I, I was a bit cheeky in that I used to send uh, an Excel spreadsheet which had a list of all the clients I'd sent, who it was, what it was for, what was the outcome. And then underneath that, I'd send another chart which was pretty much empty for 12 months. So every time that was sent in... <laughs> Clearly, there must have been someone who sat there thinking, yeah, we maybe need to do something about that. So the first piece of business we had back from that particular client was about 10 grand worth of revenue to the business, which was a which good, good piece of business for us. And then the second one was a £33 million pound MBO. Wow. Uh, for, wow, that's a big jump. <laughs> for a big, yeah, for, for, a global, um, for a global company who we look after six of the directors now and have done for, for the last six or seven years now I think so yeah it's I think you know I think karma is a great thing I know it's a bit cliche but you helping other people and helping them in their businesses definitely helps to solidify that relationship and also make sure you're the one who's thought of when conversations come up or where they've got potential clients who are the right fit for you it's a great way to build trust as well, isn't it? Because I think if you go to somebody and say, hi, can I have your clients? There's no trust there. But actually what you've done is put yourself in front of them, built that trust, built that rapport. And then, of course, like you said, you're the first person that they think of when they need anything. Um, you've actually grown, was it four times since last year? Uh, where we're sat today, yeah, we're, we're fourfold on where we were this time last How year. How do you do that? How do you grow four times in <laughs> 12 months? The first thing is it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of investment of time. It's a lot, sadly, of not seeing your family as often as you'd like. It's about people and the people we're bringing in. I mean, I've, you know, I, I only have so much capacity. And we've brought, as you know, we've, we've brought another chartered financial advisor into the business, young lad called Jack, who's 29. So now he's sort of, you know, bringing business in on top of what I bring in. We're... I guess quite fortunate in, in that because of some of the high profile people we look after and some of the wealth that comes with that, obviously the size of investment, size of pensions has, has grown exponentially. But also, I guess with the time I've put in, I'm just able to do more cases, put more work through. And I think honestly, this this year has been, that's that's what it's been more about is the, the hours that I've put in. There's been times I come into the office at sort of 7.30 in the morning, I might not leave till 11. Now, that's not healthy to keep doing that, but I do try and sort of balance it up and then uh, I'll say to have a weekend, which sounds a bit alien because most people would just have a weekend anyway. Normally, but, yeah. But for me, I would generally come in on a Saturday or a Sunday, do four hours, the staff aren't around, I'm not getting pulled from pillar to post with email, phone calls, this, that and the other. I can just really knuckle down and get stuff done. But my my view on this is is it's not a long-term... Sustainable, Yeah. Well, it's not. And, and I think my, what I've agreed with Kerry really is that I'll do this for the next sort of four or five months. We should have another advisor in by the end of this year. And then hopefully everyone's sort of fully fledged doing their own thing. I'm concentrating then on my own sort of unique ability in terms of building relationships, developing relationships with a view that we've got all the key staff doing their own 
you know working on their own unique ability within the business which then means it's, it's almost self-managing but yeah we've always been a growing business we've always been profitable we've always increased profitability every single year uh, but this year's just been outstanding so far incredible and you're working quite hard on your team development stuff and like you said working to people's own unique abilities and i obviously i know i'm a bit biased but i love all of that kind of stuff and i think forward-thinking companies that do take this into consideration are going to be the ones that grow because so many people coming through into the marketplace just don't want a just job you know that they just go to and leave at five they actually want to be able to give something extra be valued progress however that is for them individually so I think it's great that you have that mindset of of knowing everybody's different strengths and actually wanting them to to kind of build on those rather than trying to push square pegs and round holes and then obviously you've not got a great morale or team you know yeah, the team, the team vibe in here. I mean, we had a, a positive, we have a positive focus meeting every Monday. Really simple meeting, twenty minutes. Throw a ball at each other. Whoever's got the ball just gives two positive facts uh, or two positive things that happened either personally or professionally in the in the previous week, and then focuses on whatever one of their challenges is for this week, with a view that that's something they can grab hold of and get completed. And one of the Kerry's. Uh, sort of positive comments was how good the vibe is in our in our office. Now, most people would think about financial services is quite sleepy, quite boring. But we you know we have music on throughout the day. The, the vibe in the office is is brilliant, professional still, but just yeah, it's just happy. You can be happy, happy and professional. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, it, it's just it's a pleasure to come into work every day and. I, I literally have to almost kick our staff out every day. You know, they're, they're contracted to certain hours. They don't look at the clock. They just they just carry on because they're enjoying their, enjoying what they're doing. Maybe that's throwback to your DJ days, then, Matt. You've got your little yeah. uh, your mixes going on in the office to keep morale. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, there definitely is some of that without question. Oh, it's just fab. I can't tell you how amazing your story is. And you should, I know you say that it's normal and and I kind of think the same about me and people say to me, oh my God, you're so inspirational. I'm like, really? I just kind of like get up and go to work every day. But your story is really incredible and you should be super, super impressed and super proud of yourself because not only are you doing the right thing for your clients, you're also doing the right thing for your staff and, you know, you're creating business, you know, you're creating work for people and, and not just work, a really happy environment for them as well. That's kind of you to say, but it is nice on occasion when I come in and I sit in a Sunday and I, on a Sunday in the office, and I know no one can see what I'm about to say, but to sort of look around at the office that we're in, we're in a three thousand square foot unit. You've seen it, yeah. It's beautiful, open see, plan, really like light space. Yeah, just all our branding and just all the stuff that not only have we created, but some really great people that are around us have helped us to create, and just to sit back and look at what we've done. And I honestly don't know where nine years has gone. It, it, it feels like yesterday when we started it, but here we are sort of looking after, I don't know, 430, 440-odd clients now and a substantial amount of money that we manage on behalf of a lot of people. And yeah, unreal just to sort of think about how the hell we got here. <laughs> it's so lovely that you're so humble. And I think that only comes with humble beginnings, doesn't it, really? I think you, you always keep your feet on the ground when you've come from somewhere that, I know you don't like the word struggle, but when you have come from somewhere that isn't the, the book of normal, I think it does keep you humble and it does give you something to look back on and go, actually, look at what I've achieved. And 
I don't think we do that enough sometimes. I think we're so forward focused and people can, especially business owners, you have to be really forward focused. I don't think we do actually compare ourselves to ourselves a year ago or three years ago or 10 years ago. No, I really think you have to. That's, mm. that's one thing I, you know, some, someone said to me just before me and Kerry got married, just in, with all the craziness that's going to go on for the day, just take 30 seconds out, just blank everything, have a look around and just take it in. And that's always sat with me because I actually did it. And it's funny when you start to look around and realise what's going on, what's happening. And in the business, you have to do the same thing. You have to look back. You have to look at where you've come from to see where you're going. Because yeah. I think it's too easy to think, right, what's next? What's next? What's next? But you can easily lose sight of where you were and there's something that we, we were sort of went through at one of my, um, I'm part of strategic coach. So I, I go to something which is uh, uh, a day out four times a year with other sort of business leaders. And someone went through what's called the gap in the game. And they gave an analogy of a story, this guy who's a long distance runner. And he set out to go and run. Oh, this is a big number. He set out to go and run 120 miles in a day. Jeez. That's a long way. Couldn't even drive that in a day. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that was his target. He'd he'd run long distance, all the rest of it. So he set out to run that 120 miles. He he stopped. I think this was in in Australia or something. So it was bad weather, thunder, lightning on quite extreme scale. And anyway, he took the decision to to stop running for that day because it wasn't safe. It was dangerous. Anyway, so he, he, he was really disappointed in what he'd done. He'd only done 100 miles for that day, so he hadn't done the 120 that he'd set out to do. And someone asked him, he said, well, what, yeah, what, what was the, the previous longest run you ever did? And it was 60 miles in the day. So he was focused on the gap between 100 and 120 miles. So he, he was focusing on the negative, where actually, if he'd have looked at the positive... He's 40 miles up where he ever was. 40, exactly. Um, and I think that's why it's important. I think if you look back to see where you've come from to where you are, there's always moves forward, no matter how small they might be. But if you don't reflect on it, you can start to get quite disappointed. You can start to get quite negative about the fact that you maybe haven't quite got to where you were trying to get to. Or if you compare to yourself to other people and other people's social media and other people's businesses, it's... I don't think it's as effective as actually comparing yourself to yourself and how you have just trended upwards. And like you said, even though it might only be one little tiny step upwards, actually that can lead to other things. It's just about trending upwards all the time, no matter how small. Yeah, glass always half full. And, and never, never, ever compare yourself to anyone on social media. Ever. I absolutely agree. It's not real, is it? That's the other thing. No, no. Um, just last of all, how can anyone get in touch with you? If, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, any advice that um, they want to come and speak to you about, how is the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really easy to get hold of. Yeah, obviously through the website, through our, you know, through any means, really. I mean, yeah. There's, there's contact numbers on there through LinkedIn, all the normal channels. Um, in terms of how we help people, I guess anyone who's maybe frustrated with their advisor, a lack of service, a lack of understanding of what they've got and what it means. You know, we are HJ Wealth Planning. I didn't create the company as HJ Wealth Management because I think that's exactly what we do is we help people plan. We help build what is hopefully going to be their journey to get them to where they ultimately want to be. And that's 
depending, you know, obviously the varying stages of life, whether it's getting your kids through university, if it's focusing on your retirement, selling your business, whatever it might be, that's what we do. And I think anyone who needs a plan to work to, or at least to, to help them visualize all the varying things that they need to, to be mindful of, that's, that's why you should get in touch with us, I guess. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> levels of people, what kind of, who's your kind of ideal pe- people to work with? Generally speaking, um, and talking money is always a bit crass, isn't it? But the, the minimum we tend to look after for clients is about £100,000 worth mm. of investable assets. And that can be a mixture of cash, pension, other investments. And that's not because we're snooty, we're not stuck up. But it, from a business point of view, you know, in order to look after that type of client, we can make it work in terms of our investment in them for what we receive back in ongoing advice fees. We, we do look further forward, so we're not short-sighted. So we, we might have business owners who aren't capital rich, but do generate good surplus income, who invest it regularly. So they will long-term become, the, uh, the, they will have the right level of business with us. So we, we'll look at it a bit differently. I suppose that's where the planning comes in, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and I guess for anyone who is unsure about whether they're a right fit or not, we will talk to absolutely anyone and very quickly we'll be able to work out if it is a good fit for us and for them. And if it's not, we'll still tell them what they need to do and, yeah. and where they need to go to do it. So, so there'll always be that element of help for whoever gets in contact with us. I think that's the great thing about you. You'll give the advice, but you've also got someone who can help them. So you'll never kind of send anybody away. You'll be like, oh, no, speak to this person or go and look at this. Or there's always an option. I think and that's, that's the great thing about why you're so good at building relationships is because you've always got an answer. Might not be you, but you will have yeah. something that you can help people with. Yeah, we're quite lucky. We've got a very trusted network, including <laughs> the likes of you who's brought them in. <laughs> Four members of staff for us. So I know. Years. How are they all getting on? Happy with the uh, the office? They're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. We're so chuffed. And I know there's a little bit of a plug for you at the same time. But <laughs> honestly, we couldn't be happier with what you've done for us. And live on a podcast, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Well, do you know something? It's just great to work with businesses who are so aligned with my own values. I mean, it's not often you come, come across somebody with a very similar life story to ours. <laughs> so I think that's a great thing as well. But I just think your values, everything is just so aligned to, to everything that I do as well. Just giving back and just caring about people. And, and I think that's, uh, yeah, that's what I kind of try and do as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on and um, I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.